What's up, everybody, and welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. It's exactly what it says on the tin, everybody. It's an anime podcast, sort of. Anime is talked <laughs> about, manga is talked about, conventions are talked about, video games are talked about, and lots of other stuff kind of splurges all over the place. I'm David. I'm also DJM. My co-host, Jack DeAllister. What's up, Jackson? It's been a while. It's been a it while, Jack. Been. It's been one of those hot, steamy minutes, and it and we have gone through uh, quite the gauntlet, I think. Uh, so I, I think it's just time to to jump right in and let everyone know about said gauntlets. Uh, we, we went to some we conventions. Really ha- we really have hadn't uh, done this podcast in a minute because Jack and I had been doing conventioning, as one does when you're in this fandom. And as I, I always it. say to everyone, anime cons really are lots of lots of fun. They're a addicting level of fun that other type of nerd interest conventions don't really have. Uh, they are social gatherings, they're fandom meetups, they're chances to meet your favorite uh, actors and actresses in this medium, uh, see some musical acts. It, it's a nerd con and a party, and I'll get to that later, all rolled into one. But Jack, I'm going to let you go first. Tell me about Fanime. Well, Fanime was interesting this year. Um, Usually it's the one that the most amount of work is put towards. So, uh, you know, I had big plans for it as such. And then a little thing thing called uh, Con Crunch happened. I'm just going to call it that. Really, it was uh, a lot of uh, having to actually spend money on other things like car maintenance and things like that and uh, resulted in not a whole lot of the things I had planned to do getting done, but I did still cosplay and we still had a fantastic time. So I'm just going to go through my lineup first because that's always the big thing for me is the cosplay lineup. So this year I had planned on for Fanime because a lot of my friends were going to do Jessica Rabbit to do Roger Rabbit. That unfortunately didn't happen. But what I did have instead was a little mix, a little mix of things that have been going through the the general populace's eyes. And then, of course, my own experience we had on day one Friday. I did not go to day zero on Thursday. Day one was everyone's favorite and mine. Uh, my Twitter icon, Waylon Smithers of The Simpsons. Uh, he went over really well with my You're Here Forever plaque, uh, the demotivational plaque. <laughs> uh, maybe for a couple hours as opposed to when I was originally going to dress up as him that same night, uh, changed into Mo, which was easy enough. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And then the next couple days were Fixed Felix, Cuphead, and then on the final day, uh, Principal Skinner carrying around a plate of steamed hams. But there was no McDonald's nearby our hotel like I had initially thought. So instead, I was just carrying around an empty tray. And the only time that anyone understood what the heck I was doing is when I was setting down the tray onto an arcade cabinet to play it. I'll get to the gamers hall in a bit. And uh, I, I apparently must have looked reminiscent of everyone's favorite screenshot from that particular meme because they then asked for a picture and it was the only photo op I had gotten as that character. But everybody else went over really well. It was a lot of good last minute effort on my parts. Myself on the back right now and I'm going to try and get it to where you can hear it on the microphone. Good job, Jack. You had no money and you cosplayed anyway and you managed to paint yourself yellow a couple times during the process of it. So that's really impressive. Good job, Jack. But the, everybody Jump, knows Jack. <laughs> Everybody knows what Fanime is really about. So I'm going to just jump right in. The Gamers Hall was fantastic this go around. This was the convention where a lot of people uh, that I knew, including myself, got our first taste of Overwatch two years ago. And of course, it being around the anniversary, the big event is happening And that was a good time. Uh, There were a lot of kiosks out where you could log into your Overwatch and just enjoy a good couple rounds of things. Uh, There were Jackbox Party Pack games being played well into the night when some of the kids and younger audiences might not uh, be roaming around so much. 
So that was great. Uh, lots of great, great rhythm games. And David, this is something that also, uh, you know, I realize I've kind of had an experience where some things that most people are just kind of exposed to uh, don't necessarily enter my uh, my field of vision, you know, like with Sonic the Hedgehog, The Simpsons. And there was another thing that I popped my cherry for this fanime, and that was uh, playing a round of Just Dance. Ooh, that was a, lot of- that was a fun time. That? Uh, you know, I like the design a lot, and I got to hand it to uh, Ubisoft. They now have two game series that I enjoy the aesthetic of that they've got. They have a good, nice, clean, pastel-y, funky aesthetic going down when it comes to Just Dance, and it's a lot of fun. It definitely feels like the future. I mean, you know, Japan has had those arcade cabinets for years with the motion capture for those rhythm games, but all that being said, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there was a game that did not have an English name on it, like most of them. Uh, uh, Outlaw Stars. Uh, but the game I'm thinking of, it was something like Musical Gun Gun was what the flavor text said on the screen. And uh, it was kind of a mix of a rhythm game and a shoot 'em up And uh, it, it, that was also quite a lot of fun. They had a lot of... Uh, Anime songs, some songs from Toho, uh, Cruel Angel's Thesis. That was pretty fun. We tried that one on Expert, myself and uh, one of uh, the people I went with. Actually, Chris Ferris, who has been a previous guest on our little podcast. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, he was an absolute joy to go with. Can't say that for everybody I went with, so I'm going to close out talking about Fanime by saying, uh, you know, just, just, just... Don't don't drag your don't drag the people that you're going with down for whatever reason. That's all I'm going to say on that. For the most part, the rest of it was very low key and trying to recover from, uh, you know, said blames, things like that. All in all, uh, kind of a refreshing way to enjoy the convention after so many years of going to it and having it almost kind of be a, a big formality. This time I didn't really have too many plans, no uh, big guest meetups or anything like that. So it was a lot of just kind of chilling and playing video games like you do. So like that being one said, does mm-hmm, like you do. It's a, it is a good time in general. And, uh, Oh, I will actually say, uh, uh I, I will plug somebody who had an excellent rave costume for the, the short time we did go to the rave on Saturday. That's constant cosplay on Instagram. Uh, I thought they had a Twitter, but I was incorrect. A good friend of mine dressed up as everyone's favorite, Icy Hot Todoroki from My Hero Academia, but with a ravey twist. So we had like a shirt that we, you know, sewed different sleeves on. So one side had a red sleeve, other side had a blue. There were, uh, you know, fun little glow sticks around uh, their arms and everything like that. And we had... Uh, a little bit of spoilers for people. I don't know who's up on what. It's kind of sporadic, it seems, with the fans. But we had a fantastic handmade gold chain that they had made that just read Fuck Endeavor in beautiful gold calligraphy. So it was a good time. It was a really good ensemble. And I would look that up and also look up the rest of their stuff. Uh, uh, some of which invention, Constant Cosplay. They did a really good job with that particular rave outfit. Go Icy Hot. Jack, I'm really glad you had a good time and your cosplays were mostly well-recognized and you got to experience yes. the the glory that is Just Dance. That that's <laughs> that game should be played by everyone once in their lives. I, I know I can say that I have, along with various, <clears throat> various other rhythm games that one sees in arcades and at conventions. Now, Jack... At conventions. Here in the Midwest, during this time of the year, uh, late May, early June, there are two large major conventions. Anime Central in Chicago, which I've been to numerous times, and Colossal Con uh, in Sandusky, Ohio, at the Kalahari Resort and Water Park in Sandusky, Ohio, which is usually around the end of May or the first weekend of June. And they're usually about two weeks or so apart. Normally, most people that live around these parts will say they'll go to one or the other, but usually not both. 
The thing is, my friend Catherine from Michigan, who lives in Japan, is kind of a perpetual energy engine. And when she came back to the U.S. to visit, she came on a mission to go to ASEN, the Detroit Electronic Music Festival, which I unfortunately could not make the last minute because I also uh, have no money to spend anymore, (laughs) and Colossal Con. So, I, being the absolute madman that I am, in fact, did both. Now, ASEN in Chicago first. Now, ASEN is almost a a home-away-from-home convention for me, because it's in Chicago, it's not a terrible drive, and I have friends in Chicago, including my friend, the incredible Jackie Salmon, who hosts the Ghosts in the Shell panels at ASEN. Uh, She is the only person who I will defer to on Ghosts in the Shell knowledge. She is brilliant. She does absolutely wonderful, engaging, high-level panels on the philosophy of Ghosts in the Shell, uh, tying things in with modern philosophers and standalone complex, solid-state society, and all of the movies. She's absolutely brilliant. I've had her on Two Nerdy Black Guys before, and... I just absolutely love everything uh, that she does, and she's an awesome cosplayer. She cosplays many iterations of Motoko Kusanagi over the years, and it was just a joy to see her and reconnect with her again, and that that was part one. Part two is something that I have always said, and that there is no place quite like Saturday Night at the Hyatt Regency in Rosemont, Illinois, during ASIN. Because if you ever imagine being just a guy on your own during a a big, wild, and crazy anime convention on Saturday night with 25,000-plus people, it is a crazy fever dream of joy and insanity and I enjoyed the hell out of myself. I drank and chose to be merry. Uh, my friend Catherine and I, we went to the rave with our respective friends. Uh, my friend Hiro Kenobu, Brian Searles, who I've also had on Two Nerdy Black Guys, uh, spent his fair amount of time in the video game room. And we both got to play Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. A game we've talked about uh, here on APOS. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that definitely. go? You know, the first time I sat down at the cabinet, I was I I had had a few beverages. Oh so dear. I, I wasn't really on my game. Hmm. So I was playing somebody else, and I actually just told him, dude, I've actually had a couple of drinks, so you just go ahead. I'm literally going to be just hitting buttons. It's fine. Take the W. Just right. take it. It's a free yeah. W. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will say this. For everyone out there that is mildly curious about the characters from the series Ruby, they're actually very good. The characters That's- in Ruby are very good. That's what I've heard. That is what I have heard. Um, I, I think that that's kind of by design, almost in the sense of, uh, this is coming from somebody who could care less either way about Ruby myself, but uh, I think it's because if you want to get the hardcore Blaze Blue fans, Undernight fans, you know, that's not difficult. Persona, you know, pretty big fighting game as well. Uh, but I, I think since there's been no fighting game uh, equivalent, there's been like a beat up I think, for Ruby. That I think it makes sense by design, much like uh, Fighter Z kind of, you know, make them, make them fun and streamlined for the Ruby fans. So that is not surprising to me. Uh, what is surprising is I'm actually on the Steam page right now, and I'm seeing that if you want the third character in Ruby, because you get Ruby and Weiss, I think... Uh, or it should be Vice, but I believe you know, it's I'm, pronounced I'll complain Weiss, about actually. It's a, it's supposed to be Vice, but I've heard that it's pronounced Weiss in uh, the situation. Uh, Blake, uh, the third in the acronym Ruby, is 1999 DLC mm. 
for a $50 game. Wait, no. Yeah, $50 or $70 game. You know, pick your poison. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a problem. That is a problem. And, and I don't see uh, what's, what's her name, Yang, on here anywhere. So, uh, you know, you don't even get all four of your rubies, but... Oh, that will change in time. I, I oh boy, howdy! Oh, I can feel my wallet that. sweating. I'll it's have to a, look into that to see if there's any updated news because I vaguely remember hearing something about that changing. Holy cow! Yeah, like uh, that they were gonna like include it on directly on the disc or something for people. I don't remember a whole lot about it. There was a similar situation, David. You kind of missed the boat on this because you checked out Blaze Blue during. During uh, Central Fiction's release, I believe. Yes. Central Fiction was the first one you bought, right? Yeah. So, Chrono Phantasma had a similar problem. I will uh, say that it was Bryant, uh, the aforementioned yes. Bryant, who introduced me at our, our local casuals to Chrono Phantasma. Ah, yeah. So, Chrono Phantasma had a really weird thing with the DLC as well, where, like, uh, they were going to have the first edition of the game during release that people pre-ordered include the three DLC characters without having to pay directly on the disc. And there was, you know, there was at least confusion and mass hysteria from the people I knew in my area who were dealing with that. I remember like maybe a couple articles about it, but it was a weird time. Like, you know, Arc System Works, great fighting games, questionable DLC. Sometimes they're good about guilty. Guilty Gear, like, they're just, just like, hey, did you want a new updated version of the game? Well, 20 ago, you just have this in-game on the file. I, I think it's that weird. this is because no this is, they're, they're investing a lot into this release. Uh, with it being a slightly newer fighting mechanic, uh, it, it is Blaze Blue, but there are some new elements to it. Uh, Blaze Blue fans will be able to jump in and recognize a few things but there will also be some new elements there will be some elements recognizable if you're an undernight fan as well as a persona fan uh also i feel like for the most part every game has some characters that are all pretty strong and that's hard to do with a a game that is pulling from four franchises uh also given that it is having characters from a franchise like Ruby and in, and a company like Rooster Teeth, it makes me think that there are some dollars being put behind this that might need to be made back. So, yes, the DLC is a problem, but on the same time, I kind of see, yeah, I can understand why this might be costing them a little bit more money. This feels like a game that might have gone over budget. Which is what I'm like. It's it's so well done. It might have gone over budget. They 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 put a lot of chips in here. Yes. So oh they they definitely did. Would you say then? Like, that I would recommend they had, people they buy. Had an, they had an actual rep from Arxis at ASEN in Chicago. Like mm. they they were selling this wow. game hard. <laughs> wow, that, that's awesome. Actually, that you kind of experienced what. Um, I believe they had Blaze Blue Cross Tag, but there were there were huge queues for it uh, at the Gamer Hall in Fanime, so that's not surprising. Uh, Sorry, are you, are you recommending this to to people uh, from any any of these fandoms? Anyone who's interested in any of these games or properties? Would you say if this you is are why? A, if you are a fan of Ruby and you have even a slight interest in playing this game, you are going to have a lot of fun, uh, even if you just pick the ruby characters and button mash you're going to enjoy yourself so by all means go for it i'm very excited for uh the blaze listening blue to fans my... you already know yeah blaze blue fan and also uh you know never played the persona fighting game but i did uh you know enjoy the series and then, of course i, Undernight, I am with... real excited for those english voices i dabbled a little bit with persona, bit persona 4 and much to my surprise, as I found out recently at CEO, Undernight has a pretty strong following here in Michigan. So I might uh-huh. have to go to my local casuals and check that out. Undernight has Gee, a pretty strong following Gee, I wonder who told you about here. that. Uh, that would <laughs> I wonder be, who told you about that. 
Well, it would actually be like here locally, it would be Mr. Yusuk, yeah. uh, Jay Gary, the head of Michigan Masters, who, who is who wow. is like the the big FGC organizer type guy here in in Southeast Michigan. And yeah, uh, also one more thing beyond the drunken debauchery and almost having another convention <laughs> hookup uh, at ASIN, I met Ben G. Over at Giga Drill Breakdown, uh, the Giggle Drill Breakdown show. Uh, so that was like a unofficial, official, and a Twitter meetup thing for a minute. And we played Rock Band, and we did a Dream Theater song, and we killed it. That's awesome. So everyone out there, give a shout out to Benji at T A L W N B G Taloon B G. And follow Giga Breakdown and, and say hey, because he was a good dude and he has the best taste in music. He, he was maybe the first person in a very, very, very long time whose taste in music lined up almost exactly with mine. And that was amazing. Ben, I hope you listen to this because you rock and it was great meeting you. And we're going to have you on APOS as a guest someday. So everybody give Ben a shout out and give Ben a follow. Thank you for rocking, Ben. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I think that's the thing I love the most about the conventions is, you know, it is great fun. The events planned are great. It's always awesome to go to a fun dance, a rave and everything like that and meet a bunch of people in really cool costumes. But it's the kind of cool people that you meet that you end up being friends with several years down the line, that kind of thing definitely have some fanime friends some sack anime friends i think that's what it's all about at the end of the day is that nerds gotta connect with others because then what else what what use is your nerding if you can't nerd with other people just turn nerd into a verb right there amen amen but jack that was not the end of it i had a week of reprieve where i went back to my day job but then that was also the Memorial Day holiday, so even that was a short week. And then I went to ColossalCon in Sandusky, Ohio. Now, Jack, this is the second time I've been to ColossalCon. Yes. We all have heard the story of what happened in 2017. <laughs> yes. And the anime club, my, my local anime club that I go with, they were all kind of joking, but probably not joking about the fact that EJM was probably trying to get him some action this year, and and I really wasn't. I I was just there to have a good time and just enjoy another convention. But the thing about Colossal Con, Jack, is I, I say again, just the concept alone. It is a convention, a, a large anime con at a water park and resort where there are hot tubs, there are bars at the hot tubs. There's an indoor water park. There's an outdoor water park. It's sunny. It's warm. Well, all except for Friday. Friday was not warm. It was a little cool Friday. And you have thousands upon thousands of young and, and older anime nerds converging in this one place. Just... The concept alone, I, I describe Colossal Con as this absurd nerd fever dream. It is equally amazing and equally just absurd and insane. The few panels that I went to were pretty good. There was a panel where we got to talk about our favorite mech shows. There were panels where I got to talk about movies. And there was one about convention horror stories and people told stories about weird dudes following them and and what have you the the typical weirdos at conventions kind of thing but your boy djm got to tell the story of yomacon 2014 jack do you remember this story i do not so please for me and for our audience regale us okay i think you do because this was one of the big Things that happened when I back in the A3K days. Oh because, wait, I do. <laughs> I still want you to share though. <laughs> because with all the convention horror stories everyone was sharing, mm-hmm. 
no one, but no one had an actual literal brush with death. I got to tell the car accident story again from Yomacon 2014. Now, for the folks at home that are not aware, Yomacon is right here in my hometown of Detroit, Michigan. I was picking up some friends the Thursday night of the convention, and we were packing our stuff into my car and getting ready to go downtown and and enjoy the con. Uh, I had parked at someone's house uh, in a city of Northville, Northville, Michigan, and my car was on a downhill incline. We'll say about 35 degrees. It was parked. And then when uh, my my friend at the time, Josie, and I were in the car, I started I started the car, and we started driving downhill. And I wanted to slow down a little bit. And then I noticed my brakes had stopped working. And then I noticed my emergency brake didn't work. Then it was like, oh, God, this is not good. So thankfully, we were on a residential highway, so I was able to turn onto a residential street, and it started to actually go on an uphill incline. So it got to the to the tip where I was able to stop, and Josie was able to get out of the car as quickly as she could, and I tried to get out of the car, but my arm got caught by my seatbelt. Once I freed my arm, I rolled a couple of times. That hurt. That hurt a lot. And I ended up having to go to the ER. And they gave me some some pretty decent painkillers and patched me up. And I I had to call Sean Russell from Anime3000.com and let him know, I'm probably not going to be going to this convention because I almost died. And on top of that, during this convention, I also had two panels to do. But I would not be denied, Jackson. They gave me some really good painkillers. They bandaged me up. And I literally limped my way through the convention. And everyone told me that when I was high on the painkillers, I was actually a pretty great friend. (laughs) So it it all worked out really well. And the the panels went well. I got reimbursed and, and... got compliments from everyone saying that I'm either super hardcore or just insane. And yeah, that that was that was my convention horror story. I'm pretty sure I won. But that was only the beginning of Colossal Con Jack because as I've said, <laughs> pe- people think they've been to party cons. They have not been to Colossal Con. And I say this to everyone, not just as a plea to get my internet anime podcasting and a Twitter friends to all hang out together in one place. I simply say this as just one guy. Colossal Con should be experienced by everyone. Because everything from... An anime con where there is a hot tub and a bar and there are swimsuit cosplays as far as the eye can see and more swimsuit episode is what you're saying. It is it is a beach episode to the fullest. Thank goodness. And there's nothing wrong with that. You might think you don't like the beach episodes uh, until you see once again 3D over 2D, and then you realize it's really not that bad. Oh <laughs> uh, no, no! You, th- you think that you don't like the the swimsuit episodes, and then you're in a swimsuit episode, and then I think the complaints just kind of vanish. They, they just at least I would hope so. away. And then there's the evenings at Colossal Con where entire floors of hotel patios will be having their own glow stick parties and people will be throwing glow sticks and wristbands from floor to floor top to bottom and there will be DJs on the patio playing until 3 in the morning and that's not even going into the actual rave where you (laughs) might see pictures of me wearing uh, LED glowing glasses and, and and dancing until three in the morning yes old djm until three in the morning Uh, i regularly put a lot of my friends to bed a a lot of them will be you know 11 30 midnight oh no oh no Uh, three o'clock four o'clock 
sometimes five <laughs> in the morning at an anime con it is not <laughs> uncommon for 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 yours truly and it it goes it goes and goes uh, until uh, i i'm i'm walking back to my hotel room carrying my shoes like i just left the club because <laughs> again at, at colossal con there there there's something different about colossal con and i've been to asen and asen on saturday nights is amazing colossal con on wednesday night on Thursday night, on Friday <laughs> night, and on Saturday night is a it party. It puts everything else to shame. Yeah, it really does. It really it's does. Fantastic. And, and okay, then, guess- and th- and then there, there's the pools and the water park and the hot tub and the fact that you, ha- they sell the Kalahari sells these giant forty something ounce cups where you can have drinks made. Or you can make drinks yourself in your hotel room. <laughs> and geez, it it is. If aside from Yomacon, which I'm obviously biased for, if there is a convention here in the Midwest that I would tell everyone to go to, it is Colossal Con. <laughs> because man. <laughs> And what I found is that there were more people that went to ASIN and Colossal Con than I expected. It was uh, not just myself and not just Catherine and not just Bryant. Uh, there there were more than a couple of people that I, I saw, whether it was panelists or, or other people that I just ran into, where, yeah, they were at both conventions within two weeks of one another. Absolute madmen that we are. And it was... It was an experience, Jack. It was utterly insane. And now that I'm home, there is a part of me that that once once Catherine got on her plane and and went back to Japan, she was saying we're totally doing this again next year. And there there was a part of me that was like i don't know if i can handle this next year but at the same time i totally want to do this again next year because doing two large anime cons in succession in that short amount of time it is equal parts energizing and exhausting but it is way more fun than I can put into words. It was stupid amounts of fun. And it was totally worth it. I'm completely broke right now, but it was totally worth it. You know, uh, I, I do want to go back and just say, uh, first of all, I know some people who are going to be going to San Francisco Comic-Con this weekend, and Godspeed to that, because... I thought a similar thing of you absolute mad people. You're pulling a David Majors. This is insane. Uh, just thinking about the party aspect. I neglected to mention something about Fanime that I know we had in common for all, all of the conventions that we've been speaking about. And that's Dranks. I just want to say, just wanted to give a little shout out to, there was this fantastic bar that we went to, uh, under the one of the hotels there, I think it was the uh, Sheraton specifically that had a fantastic menu available with anime themed cocktails. It was the best thing next year. Asen uh, does that. Asen does that yeah. too. Try try the Blue Eyes White Dragon. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was excellent. And, oh, and Jack, yeah, I, I found out when it comes to drinks, I, I found out something. Um, I might be superhuman because (laughs) there was a drinking game that happened, uh, called battleship. It it was a battleship drinking game to where for each hit you took a shot. I lost badly for the lack of a better term, Jack, I got bodied and this was (laughs) after I had already had myself a, a couple of drinks. So I, I was already drinking before this started and i ended up taking not one not two not three not four not five not six but seven 
margarita shots. Oh, your liver. You're going to have to get yourself like a triple pass liver transplant. My God. But but here's the thing, Jack. Oh. I didn't feel a thing. Not a damn thing. By midnight, I was completely sober. This was Saturday night. By midnight, I felt 100% sober. Now, it might have been because I was at the rave and I danced it all out of my system, but yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's part of it. I I apparently have my mom's tolerance, which is a bad thing. (laughs) Holy cow. (laughs) <laughs> that's that oh man that just makes me think of uh i think the the method to madness guys one of them had a story about blowing a double zero on a breathalyzer with a similar uh quantity of drinking that's that how do i, how do I know these people how do i learn about these these drinking stories that are just so superhuman <laughs> everybody was blacking out in our hotel room except for me i was just kind of like well i was staying up uh, all last night, and, and I and was the guy. All this night, and I was that guy. I was like, guys, come on! I'm one. I feel pretty good, and I'm like, we just had the patio party. I'm ready to go down back to the convention. Let's go! And and all but one other person of my anime club was like, man. So me and my one other friend, Tracy, we went back down to the convention center and we stayed at it until like three. There you go. I I definitely come to cons to spend as much time out on the floor as possible. I don't know what people are doing going to bed after you have a few drinks. Come on, people. I, I feel like if you're if you're going to bed before midnight at an anime con, I, I don't even know what to do with you. Oh, that that does actually remind me, speaking of After Midnight, there was something that I was not witness to, but I I overheard and then later got confirmation that it had happened. Uh, hentai Night, which is always a silly, fun thing to do, especially at Fanime, because they, they make a big game out of it. It's fantastic. Uh, this year, uh, as opposed to... To their usual lineup, they posted that they were going to surprise everybody, and uh, the first thing out of the box was the tentacle scene with the slime creature uh, from the first episode of My Hero Academia. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And nobody was ready for that. At least of all me hearing about it later on. Like, I I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> That I think that's just fantastic. Just anime conventions, man. There's just a special humor and fun. Actually, now I'm recalling more stories. Uh, There was one fun little thing, and this was totally serendipitous, and I hadn't planned it out this way, but it happened. On Friday night, I had changed into Cuphead, and I was just hanging around the game hall and watching people play and trying a few more rounds at Just Dance and managed to find a song that had some semblance of old-fashioned steps. That was kind of my goal. That was a lot of fun. And then I realized I should probably be shambling over to my hotel because it's early morning, and I really should at least attempt to get some rest now that, you know, dawn will be upon us. And I wander into what they call Stage Zero in the San Jose Jose, uh, Convention Center, and a guy is streaming Cuphead. For a small audience, someone pointed me out, and I went, shh, I just slip into the front row. There were a lot of people, so it was easy to get to the front row. The guy's face just lit up. He wasn't very good. I'm sorry, whoever you were, but (laughs) I'm glad you were having fun, and I'm glad that you picked to play, uh, you know, Sonic Adventure afterwards, and I hope you had fun with that, too. Conventions, man. Real fun conventions. Amen. And one quick note, since we are in 18-plus territory. Uh, Jack, are you familiar with the Pixel Vixens? Yes, the name is familiar to me. Okay. Um, at ColossalCon, and maybe ASEN too, I don't know, um, they put on a kind of anime cosplay burlesque show that one oh. of my friends wanted to go to. 
I'll I'll just I'll just yeah just we uh, they put the spring in Springfield. No, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. They really nope. Oh dear, didn't not. (laughs) Oh no. Let's just say we're we're probably not in having anybody from Pixel Vixens on the anime podcast of some sort anytime soon. Mm. Well, you heard it here first, and we shall we shall not speak of it again. (laughs) We shall not. Uh, We can talk about anime now. Let's talk about cartoons. Talk about anime. Uh, Jack, you told me that there was actually. You told me that there was some big news. There, there's actually something big that occurred. Yeah, uh, a bit of a milestone. Uh, and I know I've brought it up maybe uh, in passing quite a few times on the show here uh, because it happens to be my favorite shonen, I would believe. Uh, Soul Leader, uh, the anime and also the manga series by Atsushi Obu. Kubo. I don't know why I thought Obu. Uh, turned 10 this year it is 10 years old and it i <laughs> i had just thought to myself i think earlier this year wow i just saw some soul eater cosplayers i wonder why i don't see too many of them and now i can return oh, to you, this you had that moment huh am i so <laughs> out of touch no it's the children who are wrong god i used jack I used to be with it, and I knew what it was. Now what's it is weird and scary to me, Jack, and it's, it's going to happen to you, too. I don't like it. No, it, it was, it was a, it's a very good milestone, and uh, I'm probably going to have to do something for it. Like, uh, I don't know, probably just watch the show again. But um, I guess this is just near for me to say... Uh, Soul Eater is a very good anime and an even more well thought out and longer, more epically uh, sprawling manga. So I really do recommend it. I do not recommend Soul Eater Not. Soul Eater Not is terrible garbage uh, and I, I absolutely have no words for that. So we will bury that in the pile of things that we're not going to talk about again after this episode. <laughs> But 10 years, David, it still seems like such a such a thing that was just balancing on the edge of oh, it's 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 so, you know, they got shirts in Hot Topic and, you know, people are talking about it and uh, people are st- the manga still going. And now the manga has been over. The manga has been over, Jack, and uh, it's on Netflix now. And, you, you know, uh, these people, voice actors are getting married and. You know, moving on to other things, and My Hero Academia has taking away has basically the captured the collective shonen concepts for everything. Ah, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It is it is still just ten years, ten years. <laughs> I was barely a person ten years ago. Well, I was, but oh boy, how does it feel, Jack? How does it that feel? Feels... <laughs> I, I want to go shake my fist out the door and uh, load my, my blunder. Tell the children that if they don't re- leave, then if they're in eye shot in the next 20 seconds, then they're in my shot. I should be able to run over as many children as I want. <laughs> God, what is, what is life anymore? <laughs> oh, It'll happen anime. to you. It's going to happen to all of us. Death is inevitable. Let's move on before I before I turn to dust here. <laughs> All right. So I I uh, am going through one of my anime droughts at the moment, and it does happen from time to time where I might take a break for a season where there really isn't a show that really holds my interest or anything that I find super compelling. Uh, so I, I am on a bit of an anime seasonal break because that's just what I do from time to time. However, comma, uh, at the behest or, or ro- rather rather circumstance, uh, I decided to watch an anime that is a little bit out of my comfort zone. 
uh, just from uh, Kay uh, over at the Anime is Lit podcast. Kay uh, sent out a tweet to watch this show just at random. And I decided, you know what? Sure. Why the hell not? I'm not really watching anything else right now. I'm not watching anime at all, quite frankly, because there's really nothing since Agretzko that's really caught my eye. And this show is called, and I'm really going to butcher this, Yotsuiro Biyori. Uh, have you caught this show, Jackson? Uh, it tends to be that the ones that are made up exclusively of Japanese titles tend to not really get into my uh, field of vision too much. I, I guess um, unless you want to count Hoseki no Kuni, which I knew understood as Land of the Lustrous, but it was all up on the pages as Hoseki no Kuni, so... I would count that. But this one does not sound familiar, David. So please tell me about it and why it's out of your comfort zone. This anime uh, falls under the slice of life genre. And generally, slice of life anime is not my cup of tea. I'd say Uh, mine neither. I usually, uh, when it comes to anime that is a little bit more slower paced like this, uh, I usually enjoy when it is more atmospheric and it's building tension. Uh, Slice of Life usually does not do this. Uh, This was also an anime that took place in a cafe where the main hook of the show was that the the owners and, and runners of this cafe were all young men four of them and Kay, to her credit said if you're not usually into pretty boys bishonen this show may not be something that hits you as well as it did her and i made the point hey i did the nanashi anime podcast for a while with my friend lily inverse and the whole point was for me to find anime that is out of my comfort zone so i took this on and I've given it my standard four episodes. And I got to tell you, even though I'm usually not one for bishonen or cute kittens or uh, making tea and cake and seeing over-the-top reactions to really tasty food, I didn't hate this. I, I actually did not hate it because, quite frankly, it's just too sweet and innocent of a show to hate. All four of the main characters are just cinnamon rolls, each of them, except now we're seeing in episode four, uh, the main character and owner of the restaurant may have a family thing going on that might be uh, a bit more compelling. Uh, So it looks like it might be jumping into a story. But the first four episodes were very much about how we see how these four dudes who I'm not able to remember their names. We have the owner, the guy with the glasses. We have the pastry chef, uh, the red-haired dude who is a little bit on the hyperactive side. And we have the dude with the ponytail and the dude with the short hair. I have not figured out their names. Uh, But I I figured out who they are. And we see how they interact and we see that their cat is kind of a mascot. And there was an ep- there was an episode where the cat had an adventure, and there was also an episode about uh, helping a grumpy old grandpa keep his tea business open because his tea was amazing. And there was a story about a woman who was stressed out from work. No, it was not Resco, uh, to where she came to the cafe to relax. And it was all very, it was very slow paced, but it was slow paced in a way that I'm not necessarily accustomed to because I like shows that do things with pacing and silence. It's just that this was very different because it was a slice of life. Everyone was just kind of sitting around enjoying their day. And things, there wasn't a overarching narrative or or a plot to move along, which is common in Slice of Life. So if you're okay with that, you're okay with that. Uh, There were times where it felt like I'd really like for there to be something more going on because I actually do appreciate these characters. 
And when I like characters, I'd like there to be a story. And at least until the end of episode four, there really wasn't a story. And I know saying that about Slice of Life is kind of missing the point, but I wanted you there like to yourself be, a story. I like a story. I like a story yeah. that takes me somewhere, it goes somewhere, and then it has a beginning, middle, and an end. And in the case of Slice of Life anime, that's usually not the case. And that's usually my problem with this genre is that you will have characters that will be endearing and entertaining, but then not a goddamn thing is going on. And you're you're sitting around on the couch like, okay, what what's next? What do we do now? And maybe yeah, that's the, the point. Maybe that's the point. The, the strength of Slice of Life uh, this is going to be a little bit of a backhanded compliment because I am not a big fan of most slice of life myself unless there's sort of a strange surreal element to it. And like you say, the slow pace stuff, I, I think I always just instantly cite Mushishi as my favorite slow paced anime where ish is happening, you know, but, uh, you know, the strongest aspect of a slice of life are the characters, and if you're up for it, the cozy atmosphere. I think that if there's one word that best describes Slice of Life, it's cozy. Because for the most part, it's really, really to mimic everyday life. And that can be a comfort for people. I almost imagine it would be the same kind of thing as, you know, it, it's a slight thing off uh, above, uh, you know, getting a white noise machine, I'd say. So, yeah, there's the backhandedness of that compliment. But uh, it's good to see that you did find enjoyment in it, in the characters, at least, that you, you cared about them. Or you, you, had, you had some stake I, in... I also found the... It's gonna happen. The Food Wars-esque reactions customers would have to the cafe and the food and the tea they would make, pretty amusing. It was almost... Uh, when I was watching it, it was like, this is like Food Wars if Food Wars were for kids with the way they were reacting. It wasn't <laughs> totally wildly over the top with the reactions like Food Wars, but it was kind of in that realm where th the animation would be super kawaii when they would take a bite of food and they would just absolutely just fall head over heels for it. And it was like, okay, we're, we're really doing like a cutesy thing here. And then there was the cat episode, which I put a screenshot over. And it got liked by a couple of people because all I could say was, oh, we're doing one of those episodes now. It, it, it's an episode where the cat has a new kitten friend. They're going to do kitty things and it's going to be cute and, and adorable. And it was like, okay. It, it's going to be that kind of episode. And I, di <laughs> I didn't mean it in a, a dismissive or cynical way. It's just that I've watched so much anime in my life. <laughs> I, I just felt as though I was expecting this and I knew exactly what it was. And even though I knew exactly what it was, Jackson, I still didn't dislike it. I, I give I give Yotsuiro Biori a, a pass. I gave it my four-episode look, and I felt that it was all right. It, it was a, a little too cozy. Felt like it was lacking in urgency just a little bit, but that's kind of what Slice of Life is. I get it. Yeah. Yotsuido Biori. Not bad. I gave it a not bad JPEG. Not bad. And this is available to watch on everyone's favorite Crunchyroll, so please take a look if that is something that you are interested in. I am liking the look of this cat. The these this is good this is good design. They've made sure the cat is there, that you can see the cat. And uh what really what else do you need? <laughs> uh and once again, shout out to Kay and Danny at the absolutely fantastic anime is lit podcast for this uh, recommendation of sorts like i just kind of jumped into their mentions and, and said hey why not i'll watch it and yeah i didn't hate it wasn't bad express espresso espressivo these are some fun episode titles i like this i watched some anime too david 
Well, tell me all about it, Jack. Uh, this one is available on Netflix, which was where I found it, because it did catch my eye. I had first seen it uh, screenshotted by Colton, a good friend of ours. Always good to see stuff that he's uh, he's screen capping. And uh, the main character looked so distinctive to me that I just had to take a look at it. And I ended up finding something that was also a little bit slice of lifey. But as far as I've seen so far, I am on episode six. Uh, so I'm halfway through. Really looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. This is The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. That was it all, David. That was The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. Psyche K. Tell me about it. Uh, so it is the story of a high school student named Psyche. And he has bright pink hair and green orbald kind of like a fight stick type antenna coming out of his, uh, his, the top of his head. And, and struggles he wears all the time. But this doesn't matter because... He's covering his tracks, trying to be an ordinary high school boy, but he has a ton, and I'm not exaggerating. They almost seem to in, uh, introduce a new one with each of the segments. He has a ton of psychokinetic abilities. He can hear people's thoughts. He can turn himself invisible. He can uh, use mind control and things like that. And there are He's some Professor arbitrary X. limits. He is, he is Professor X. He absolutely is. He's even been able to affect people's minds on a global scale, so it is absolutely Professor X. Uh, he's got a ton of stuff that he can do. There are some minor arbitrary limitations, but for the most part, they go to ridiculous lengths to show that this kid's got power. And uh, the the whole main uh, gimmick of it is he's just trying to live a normal life, but in order to do so, it, that's kind of part of the joke, is that he often has to go to a extreme with his powers to make this a possibility for him like reading people's minds so he doesn't interact with them too much and become someone that they are attached to and of course there's the requisite there's someone that they can't read the thoughts of and he cannot read the thoughts of one of his classmates who is a complete moron and uh, they got some fun stereotype characters in here they got some good archetypes like uh, aside from uh, the dumb but well-meaning uh, high school buddy you've also got the kind of uh, lone nerd and this guy they really turned up to 11 he's got this uh very anime-esque hair over one eye talking about uh fighting the dark forces but he's really just playing pretend and the anime very much lets you know that he's playing pretend meanwhile you've got his uh supposed friend psyche with actual powers which is just a great juxtaposition it's a lot of fun and uh the very boisterous kind of almost like a jock character which is interesting to see in an anime to this level of jockiness uh but what i really like about it david is something that's very evident from the humor and the, of course the behavior of the characters and his uh psyche our main characters uh unwitting friendships with all these people is no matter how hard he tries no matter <laughs> What extent he goes to, like global mind control, altering the human genomes so that his pink hair isn't unusual. He basically made anime hair, is the joke that they were going for. That's one of many in a long stream of things that he's done to try and not stand out. No matter what he does to avoid standing out, there really is no hiding what we are and what we can do. So this is almost... As, as, and it could change, you know, the final couple episodes might have an entirely different direction they go. But what this anime is supposedly telling me, as far as I've noticed, is don't hide your light under a bush. And I like that. It's kind of interesting to see an anime take that kind of stance, considering the culture that is so famously attached to it. So I'm having fun with it. It's funny. It's more of a comedy and there are more segmented uh, bits to it than rather than a full length episode. But it all comes down to a delicious 20 minutes. And I like spending time with these silly archetype characters and definitely like seeing the internal monologue of Psyche K because he's a good character. I can't so it's a lot help of but wonder 
if they've made any allusions or references to Professor X. Uh, the I am watching the dub, and I've been keeping an eye out because I was thinking once I realized that he was very, he was very Charles Xavier. Uh, none that I've seen, but you know they've got oh God, I can't remember the voice actor's name, but he's actually he uh, he voices a side character in uh, Gonkutsuo and in Blaze Blue. Plays Naga in Blaze Blue. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but he is playing Psyche, and he's got a very distinct voice. It's got kind of almost a sarcastic lilt to it at all times. That's Jerry just kind of how the guy sounds. It's Jerry is it Jewel. Jerry Jewel? I think it's Jerry Jewel. You might be right. Let me see. Was twas the word of Wikipedia, Jerry Jewel? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Is yeah, he definitely plays. Uh, Naga and Blaze Blue. Really good. Really good voice. Great voice actor. Kind of good to see someone who isn't, uh, you know, your usual suspects in the protagonist chair. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm liking the dub. It's a good dub. And, uh, you know, if the, if it does turn out that, you know, somewhere down the line that Psyche K does uh, come through with a, a sneaky X-Men reference, then I will try and catch it because I do love me some X-Men. And I will say that Charles. Well, that is anime. Long been, long since been my favorite X Men. He he's the of his. He's the uh, if if you're learning not to shed your light on hide your light under a bush in Psyche K, then what you can learn from Professor X is that intellect is always the most important superpower. Jack, At least I just again. I just realized his name is almost a pun, Psyche K. Yes. It's almost like psychic. That's uh, his his first name is actually Ku, but of course you would say it backwards in Japanese, so you get psychiku. Psychiku. Yep, there it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why. Um, yeah, I was not expecting anything from it. I just had seen the character design and thought it was strange, and you know, uh, my boy Colton can't be wrong about this, so. I looked it up, and it is available to watch on Netflix with the dub or your Japanese uh, sub, whichever you prefer. Fun show if you're looking for comedy. That just seems to be the thing I gravitate towards. So uh, by all means, I would recommend it to people who would look for that. Cool. Cool. And and that's oh, on Netflix. That is and on Netflix. Biori is on Crunchyroll. Yes. Jack, I think that's a podcast. I do believe so. We've we've animated of some of some kind. I think we have. <laughs> Apos, and, and we've we've hit about an hour. And here at Apos, we like to keep things fairly compact in comparison. So, I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for your likes. Thank you for your shares. Thank you for your subscribes. Everyone, follow Jack on Twitter at Jack D Tyler D. Jack, what's your Instagram handle this week? <laughs> it is uh, rock behind the wheel as it had typically been uh, and I'm still doing my usual reactions to the Simpsons uh, primarily on there although I did get a nice big thread going for some of the more controversial episodes as those were some things I viewed last week uh, on Jack D. Tyler D. on Twitter so you know definitely take a look see at those things and let me know what you think uh, and then, of course, there's the dead but not forgotten Dr. Junkenstein, I presume. I'm kind of giving myself a total don't do not do anything related to Tumblr right now because there's been kind of a situation. Not newsworthy, but, you know, I, I'm hearing things. I'm hearing whispers. So I'm just kind of really staying away from there. Haven't had the app in about a year now. So we'll leave that where that is. And David, Apos, Delta Juliet Mike Media. You can or subscribe Alpha to this podcast at <laughs> deltajulietmike.com. That's Delta <laughs> Juliet Mike.com. Uh, I really also, I really hope Jack? that I never said Delta I never said Alpha during the time that I was drunk at the conventions. Yes, David. <laughs> I have joined a new podcast. Yes, you have. Tell everybody about it. I am now officially the fourth member of the Record Breakers podcast, joining Petey Rave, Drusifer, and Brett Hibbity Bibbard 
uh, as the fourth member of that podcast. Well, uh, Patrick Swagger takes a, a bit of a break. And recently I joined and we talked about the band Saves the Day and their album Say, Stay What You Are. And my first time bringing an album to the Record Breakers podcast was Atrocity Exhibition, the 2016 album from Detroit-based rapper Danny Brown. You can follow Record Breakers at 4RecordBreakers on Twitter. You can look for the Record Breakers podcast in iTunes and all the other podcasts. And you can hear my take on all different kinds of music. And there will be hot music takes going forward. And of course, the anime podcast of some sort, Two Nerdy Black Guys. And you can follow me on Twitter at please call me DJM. Thank you all for listening to the anime podcast of some sort. For Jack D, this is DJM. We'll talk about cartoons in the not too distant future. Photoshop.